Frost. Hello and welcome back to Boomfcast in Conversation. I'm your host, Fergus Sweetland, and for episode two of this series, I had the pleasure of speaking with Martin. Martin can't be defined by one genre, as his sound ventures between UK bass, classic dubstep, drum and bass, garage, as well as house and techno. He's completely carved a space in the global music scene and filled it with just his work and can really be said to have made his own sound. Over the years, he's had LP releases on Flying Lotus's Brain Feeder Records, Ninja Tune, his own 3024 label, as well as Oscar Ton. The Dutch-born and US-based artist and producer became a resident at Berghain and Panorama Bar in 2014 after a string of successful releases and DJ sets all around the world. He's returning to Australia for the first time since 2012 for a series of shows across the country, including Sugar Mountain and Boiler Room's show down here in Melbourne. So let's jump into conversation with Martin. I, I wanted to chat about your music. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're an Oscar Ton. Um, and when people might think Oscar Ton, they might sort of get more of an impression that the, sort of the music coming out in there is... Um, more slated towards like a Berghain kind of scenario, but your music is um, obviously like takes a lot, a lot of breaks and um, and drum and bass influence and and stuff like that. Um, but how would you, in your words, describe um, your music sort of fitting amongst the the catalogue of Oscar Tom? Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't really consider Oscar um, like a straight techno label, to be honest, because. Um, sort of when the label started, um, it was really varied. Mm. Uh, you know, you had obviously, you know, the first Ben Clock album and the first Marcel Deppmann album and stuff like that. But at the same time, there was also, you know, Prosumer who sort of did like a real housey thing and then Steffi, um, mm. you know, Steffi's first album and Shed did an album on Osgood. So, there was actually already a lot of sort of variety in their catalog um, mm. long before I even, you know, entered. Mm. Um, I think maybe it's just that people have the impression that it's a straight techno yeah. label because I think that sound is just so prevalent and, you know, people immediately think of Berghain and of, you know, just that sort of same yeah, sort of techno. association. Yeah, but you know, I think if you actually listen to the catalog, it's really not that. Um, mm. And and so you know, musically speaking, um, for me, um, well, first, okay. So, so first of all, I was um, uh, invited to become a resident at the club. When, when did that happen? Uh, around two thousand fourteen. Okay. Not so long after I did the Air Between Words album yeah. on Ninja Tune. Um, and I had already played Panama Bar a couple times, mm-hmm. um, sort of doing my thing and whatever. And um, so then, you know, when I became a resident, I was supposed to play there like six times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the premise of the residency was also to, uh, yeah, do something different. Just you know, play my sort of music, you know, more sort of bass mutations or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just um, just bring something different to the table, you know. Mm. And so that's what I tried to do. And I think from there, uh, it was also kind of a logical step to do uh, music for them. 
I had already done a track for Ben Clock's uh, mix CD, the Berghain mix CD. There's a track called Mini Love, yeah. which kind of uh, blew up a little bit. So, you know, they already kind of knew what where I was coming from. Mm. And so, yeah, when I was uh, invited to do more music, that's kind of, you know, the sort of logical step was just to do my thing, you know? Mm. And uh, obviously, uh, I think the first single I did I kind of tailored a little bit to what I would play at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, um, I just kind of yeah make what I need to make basically. <laughs> Through your career, what's um? Well, it's a two-part question rather. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received, and what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, um, I mean. Probably the, the best piece of advice is, you know, what we just sort of discussed, you know, that um, I think you have to take everything at your own pace and uh, not feel pressured mm. um, to to do things or to, uh, you know, to engage in things that you're not 100% behind, you know. Mm. And I think It's weird, like when when I sort of started. I mean, I don't really want to sound like an old man, but you know, when <laughs> sort of, uh, when I started, okay. um, yeah, basically uh, a lot of sort of paths were unpaved, you know. So uh, we had to sort of invent a lot of things ourselves, like how to put on a party or how to yeah. track or how to DJ or you know where to get records, and you know there was a lot of things that we had to sort of figure out ourselves before we could even start it. So we had to put in a lot of legwork to to actually get somewhere, you know, mm. and to sort of um, turn, you know, music into, yeah, a profession. Mm. And I think nowadays, obviously, all those paths are kind of paved, you know, and uh, um, it's it's so much easier to to get music, to get maybe to get gigs, even, you know, to to find spaces online where you can sort of, you know sort of voice your ideas and things like that and I feel like a lot of people are kind of focused on how to do these things like they, they feel like there is only one way to do those things while mm. there is not really one way there's just your way you know yeah I, I think that's a really and, interesting point you make especially with the whole online thing like people might feel pressured to even look a certain way or yeah, yeah, sound or something. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, there was a, a thing a couple months ago, I think, about rewinding, where people were like, "Well, you know, are is it okay to rewind someone else's track on the, you know during a set, or is it not?" And obviously, there is no right or wrong answer. Yeah, it's totally subjective. There but... is just what you what you want to do in that moment is you know. Obviously, you do it in a respectful manner, but, you know, that's just how it is. But there's no rules, you know, and all these, you know, just sort of discussing whether it's right or wrong is is already sort of the the, wrong starting point. You know, the you just have to shape all these things yourself and, you know, you do you and, you know, you don't have to care about what anyone else thinks about rewinding. You just do if you need to do it, you just do it, you know. I think a lot of people just care too much about what other people think these days. Well, that I think that's also because, yeah, it's kind of a lot of things in sort of 
electronic music are now just institutionalized you know mm. you have to look this way and you have to play that kind of stuff and you have to play so many gigs and you have to you know mm. go on boiler room and you have to do all those things but you don't have to do anything you can just you know find your own way to to sort of express yourself you know would you say that those people who sort of go and do their own thing and just do them have like a more of a chance of sort of like being discovered well i mean like the most uh, for me the most interesting artists are the ones that do their own thing and have their own identity you know mm. and so if you develop that um you're always ahead of everyone else mm. and um you know yeah and, and i think that's that's you know, if there's like 10 techno DJs that look exactly the same and play exactly the same, then, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to discover them, you know, yeah. or maybe I will, but I just won't be as interested. But if someone is different, you know, and just puts their own sort of heart into it, then obviously that's going to speak to me much more. Mm. Mm. And, you know, as far as sort of worst advice, I think worst advice is, you know, surrounding yourself with too many people that have an interest in your career, um, you know, and listening to them instead of them listening to you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's something that, that you see sort of happening quite a bit as well, you know. Is that from personal experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, um, you know, I think everyone that you know that sort of signs with a bigger label or whatever you know they they will sort of experience that there's going to be more and more people on their path that sort of have a say in what you're doing and, you know how you're sort of shaping your career what your moves are you know and i think you have to be very wary to not let them take over yeah totally that there's there's loads of different ways to getting to where you want to be uh, but there's only one right way and that's your way, you know? Mm. It's sort of like a gut feeling. I'm, uh, having been there myself and like had learnt or fortunately sort of had an experience that happened early on. So sort mm -hmm. of wise enough. Like I think if you if you don't follow your gut feeling and you sort of go down the path of like uncertainty, you need to almost go down that path to learn that you need to do what you want to do. You know, if yeah. it doesn't feel yeah. right, then like you, you really just got to trust your gut instinct and, and, and act on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Your artwork, how, how do you form these sort of like shapes and artworks? Is there is there a particular sort of style about it that interests you? And if so, like where, where does that come from? Um, well, I don't make the artwork because my, my sort of graphic sense is next to zero, basically. <laughs> But, uh, Are you sure? Uh, surely you should know what you sort of like just by looking at it, or? Yeah, yeah. But uh, um, so basically, when I started my label way, way back in 2007, mm. um, I linked up with a friend of mine, uh, Jeroen Erosi, mm -hmm. and he's a sort of a yeah, like former street artist, graffiti uh, guy that um, that sort of went into his own sort of style. And uh, we are quite similar in a sense that, you know, the way I sort of make music and take things from different genres and sort of put it together into my singular sort of sound. Um, he does pretty much a similar thing in artwork, you know, where you can't really tell if it's 
graffiti or street art inspired or mm. just abstract art or you know he just takes from from different uh, things as well mm. um so so we we have been working together for a long long time and he uh, does all the artwork for my label 3024 okay and um, when uh, i started doing records for all scoots um i you know i asked if they were interested to bring him in as well and because it's so connected to my music um you know i think that fit really well. Um, so he's done all the work, you know, all the like the voids artwork, and then uh, the new one, and um, the falling for you EP and stuff like that. So so he's done all that. And basically, what it comes down to, I would say, is that um, he's been very interested in typography, um, mm. and I guess uh, what he's tried to do is sort of create his own kind of almost like an alphabet you know of letters that don't exist so mm. all these sort of, these shapes are more or less um yeah like letter types you know yeah okay. and and basically what he does usually is um i send him the music uh he listens to the music and it has like a certain you know graphic interpretation and he draws something or he puts something together that sort of represents the music. Um, uh, for example, in Voids, in the, my album, mm. um, I sent him all the, I think it's nine or 10 tracks, and then he did nine or 10 uh, sort of shapes, you know, that sort of represent mm. every single track. Um, and that's, that's the same for this one. So I think, you know, uh, what you see is basically the three tracks layered over each yeah, other. Yeah, so. Okay shapes that sort of and you know and the other thing that he does he works a lot with silk screen prints and riso prints and stuff like that and um you know you always get really interesting results if you layer different types of paint on top of each other yeah so, okay. so it becomes new colors you know yeah so uh, so that's that's like i mean he can explain this way better than me but <laughs> that's a kind of how how you can how you can look at it you know yeah that's actually really interesting and, and yeah. just with voids, like, was the overall cover in the end like a combination of a couple of these shapes that he came up with? Yes, and then uh, if you, um, there is also a booklet that comes with voids. I think that's with the CD version, mm. um, and that has all the shapes in it. So, um, so then you can literally, basically, you could listen to the entire album and then you know watch every single shape for every single track and then it would sort of correspond that way it's really interesting when when you were sort of listening back to your music with with like the artwork and each or each artwork for each different track in front of you did it sort of make sense to you just looking at it um i mean it made sense while we were making it yeah okay. um, <laughs> but it, yeah like like after it's done i don't listen to the music anymore just um for me it's I don't know. It's just kind of strange to sit down and listen to your own stuff. Mm. <laughs> so I do play it out, obviously, you know, when I'm DJing or playing live. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, like I, I hardly ever revisit my own music, only in the the sense that we talked about before, you know, where you sort of recycle parts while you're in the studio. But yeah, like to sit down and listen to a finished project product that doesn't really make sense to me, you know. One last question, just to throw out there as a curveball. Um, what was 
the biggest mistake you've made in your career and what was it that you learned from that? Um, I don't, I think, uh, yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, I made lots of mistakes, but I would never really sort of see them. I mean, it's not really mistakes, you know, it's like, it's, um, Like a lot of decisions that you make may not be the right ones, but they're never wrong because you learn from them, you know? Yeah. So I don't really see them as like missteps, you know what I mean? Mm. But obviously, you know, your your sort of career takes you into directions that may turn out not to be the right ones. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people um, work or, or think that they have to build a career along a certain path. Like, you know, you start DJing, then you start making music, mm. then you do more records, then you do an album, then you do a, an album and a live set, then you do an album, a live set, and an AV show, mm. then you do a live set, an AV show, and, you know, something artsy, and et cetera, et cetera. So you sort mm. of build a career along those lines. But obviously those those sort of career paths were made by others, you know? And like I said before, I don't think that everyone should be following that same career path because that's just not what, you know, where you can put your individuality into it, you know? Mm. So I think I wouldn't see that as a mistake, but obviously, um, you know, I sort of, uh, tried to sort of take a lot of those steps as well and you know found out that or discovered that some of those steps work for me and some of those just don't you know and uh, mm. and so that's kind of what I learned from it is you know that you have to sort of maintain your individuality and you know if an AV show works for someone that's great but it doesn't mean that you have to do one too you know because yeah. we have enough we have enough AV shows that are actually just really boring <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so you might as yeah, well yeah no, i agree you something else that's much better you know yeah okay so, so that you've got a very um half glass full look on life yeah yes yes you have to <laughs> a big thanks to martin for taking the time to chat to me and another thanks to walter from oscott for making this happen if you want to catch Martin whilst he comes down to Australia and New Zealand, he'll be playing at Glatos for Friendly Potential on Friday the 18th of October in New Zealand. On Saturday the 19th of October, he heads to Sydney for Sherrard's Breakbeat Chaos and Alien Presents Martin at Civic Underground. Then on to Melbourne for the 24th of October for Common Ground and The Operatives. Up to Brisbane on the 25th of October for Inner Circle and then back down to Melbourne for Boiler Room and Sugar Mountain's show here at the Melbourne's Art Precinct, which will be pretty special. Also, if you want to learn more about Martin, then there's a great documentary by Resident Advisor, uh, part of their Origin series, which is definitely worth checking out. I've been your host, Fergus Sweetland, and this has been Boomfcast in Conversation. Thanks for listening. Cost. <laughs>